And this is the View of the Valleys podcast, season two, episode 10 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, welcome back. Hey, man, it's great. I mean, we go months without uh, anything. Now we're back within less than a week. It's fantastic, brother. Good to see you again. Feels great, though. Like, back back, back at weeks. It? Okay, yeah. I thought maybe you meant the four seasons that we're going to experience in 36 hours here in the St. Louis area. <laughs> we had summer yesterday. We had spring last night. And now we're in fall, and we're going to have sleet and snow by tomorrow. It, it really is terrible. I'm about over it. <laughs> like, I, I know I, f- I feel like we talked about this, like, last year, like, during the winter. Like, oh, here they go again. Oh, I'm about the weather. But, I mean, my God, it's 60 degrees in, like, the afternoon. This and, morning. And then, like, six hours later, it's snowing. Yeah, then I worked a baseball game. Like, it's too cold. We're going to stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was 60 degrees yesterday, short sleep. Oh, man. Well... But that means we're getting close to, to our favorite time of the year. It does. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the weather will heat up just like uh, the end of the postseason tournaments are going to start heating up here. You know, yeah, at least so I don't have to wear a heavy coat into the Arch Madness tournament. That's that's always a good sign. Yeah, you're going to the Arch Madness. I'm going to the Ohio Valley tournament, and hopefully we'll both be there Sunday on the because the Arch Madness, I think goes one day longer than the OVC, or it starts, starts one, one day, day later. later. Yep. Okay. Yep. And actually, other teams get to go to the tournament. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I mean, yeah. Especially this year when there's 10, like, hey, I don't know. Because I wonder how much extra cost would be because they have both the men's and women's tournaments at the same time, the MVC women's tournaments, not till the weekend after. So that, that plays into it as well. Which I understand, and I know we've talked about it before, so we're not going to get too much into it, but like you said, if only two teams being left. I get if there were four, but if there's only two. Throw them all in, and mm-hmm. I mean, the conference is changing next year anyway, mm-hmm. with teams leaving and joining. So just hell with it. Yeah, you know, have a big send off. But during this episode, we will get you caught up on this past week inside the MVC and the OVC, as well as looking ahead to the final week of the season and what each conference has to do to get two teams into the NCAA tournament. Uh, so looking back at last week, TJ, you know, we're not going to touch on all the games, but just kind of bring you what stood out most to us, you know, whether it be a certain game, maybe two games or even, you know, which players had had a good week. Well, I really had three going over the last two, you know, basically what, eight days or so. Uh, I think Southern Illinois getting the win over Bradley at Southern Illinois wasn't a win that I really expected to see them get. You know, even though, you know, that I was cheering with my heart. But then when they fell behind 11 nothing, I was like, I should have just stayed home. You know, and then they, they battled back and probably had the best stretch of about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of basketball that I've seen them have. Uh, Damask really kind of broke out again. And Coupet, the, the transfer from uh, Arkansas, Little Rock, 19 points and seven boards. So, and then they held on for the win. They were up by 25 at one point and then didn't score, a ba- didn't have a basket for the last nine and a half minutes managed to win so but I still think that was a good win and then over the weekend I think Drake winning at Loyola is a huge game you know uh Tucker DeVries has I mean 24 points lock in I, I don't even know that there's competition for freshman of the year in the MVC right now but he's by far and away the best fresh, freshman and then Williamson had 27 points and six boards I didn't realize this until I was checking something yesterday Lucas Williamson only is 15th in the league in scoring really yeah i mean i think he's going to be top two or three for sure in the larry bird voting 
but he's 15th in scoring. You know, so every team in the league has somebody averaging more points than him. And then I think the easily the story of the weekend is Northern Iowa just boat racing Missouri State, led wire to wire. It never really seemed competitive. You know, I did not see that really happening. No, I mean, for sure not. Yeah, Northern Iowa's been really good lately, but Northern Iowa won at Missouri State. I think that game go to overtime or right down to the it wire. Was right down to the wire. I think there were some calls that didn't go Missouri State's way. I remember thinking that Coach Ford was upset and it kind of felt like rightfully so, some things that didn't get called down the stretch. And that's not to say you always blame the referees, but that's how close it was that a call or two goes Missouri State's way. They might win. Well, my thing is, as I drop my phone, uh, Missouri State, if, if I think if they would have won at Northern Iowa, that would have put them, what would they have been tied with? Uh, would they have been up at the top of the conference? That would have put them, let me see here, I get my sheets out. That would have put them at 12 and 4, and Northern Iowa is 12 and 4 now, and Loyola is 12 and 4, so they would have been. Right there with Loyola at twelve and four. That's what I thought. And I would have dropped down to eleven and five. So that would have put them at least Mm -hmm. sharing right now Mm -hmm. at the top. So then I'm expecting you know a good game out of Missouri State because there's a lot riding on the line, and you know you've already been beaten by Northern Iowa once. So I'm I'm thinking, you know Missouri State's going to come out and they, you know they got the them three players at Missouri State that honestly in my opinion I feel like stand out more than any other team's three players. Probably. So who's your third one? You have obviously Mosley and Prim. Are you putting Donovan Clay in there with them? Yeah. The, I, well, come back to me Put on that. Put you on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, there were times they left Clay alone to double down on Prim that we've seen this year, which is just remarkable. But Mosley, I think only played 12 minutes on in that game on Sunday. Not sure what was going on. If he was just in the doghouse with Ford and then Gage Prim gets in foul trouble, picks up his fifth foul, and then as he's walking off the court, picks up a technical. And it was just, you know, I don't know. It was it was, uh, it was not a good look for Missouri State. So, you know, uh, A.J. Green, who, again, will be one of those top two or three with Williamson and Mosley, goes 21 points, seven assists. It's pretty good when your top scorer has seven assists. And then Noah Carter, who's had a really good season and spent most of the game guarding Gage Prim, goes for 17 and eight. You know, I say he does a pretty good job of guarding Prim. Prim still had 24 points, but, you know. Yeah, it, it was Clay. That's who I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought it was. Uh, Black, maybe. Uh, Jalen uh, Minette. But, no, I, I think it was Clay that I was thinking of. So, but he, he, okay, even if you don't take him into consideration, I still think Missouri State has probably, in my opinion, the best one-two one, combo yeah. in the Missouri Valley. Yeah, I, I think that could be argued very easily. I, I don't know who else you would pick because other everyone else, maybe Jones and Damask at Southern, but they don't. I think they're still not as as viable a combination as Mosley and uh, Prim. So. If your other members in the conference, you know, when you're doing your your scouting, obviously against Missouri State, obviously your goals take away those two and let the rest of the team beat you, and and maybe that's why, you know, Missouri State isn't able to get that big win maybe at Northern Iowa because they're not getting enough 
uh, production. Yeah, enough production out of the rest of their team. Because if you shut down, you know, the one-two combo in Prim and Mosley, you know, it, that takes away a lot of your offense. And then Mosley, you know, again, only playing 12 minutes. There's times that he does that. I mean, I, I, had to, I would have to do a deep dive and look at what are his stats when they don't win. You know, just like watching them play, I feel like when they're going through a lull that they're not scoring very much, Prim hasn't touched the ball for a while, in my opinion. That, and he doesn't have to score. He's, he's improved his passing. His junior year when he first came to Missouri State, I thought he was kind of was, – was a little selfish. But then last year, he, his passing got really impressive. So, you know, I think those are, you know, some things that really help him. But that he just disappears sometimes, he being uh, Gage – or not Gage Prim, but Isaiah Mosley. So, you know, I'm trying to find out here how, what Mosley had. Played 28 minutes, so I was wrong on that, but had six points and five boards. Wow. You know. What was it shooting like? Two for seven from the floor and two for three from the line. So wasn't shooting real well. But then they, their bench has somehow gotten really shallow that they only got, you know, 44 or yeah, 44 minutes out of their bench for three guys. And that's the game you lost by 20. So it wasn't, I mean, <clears throat> you had your chance to like, hey, let's clear the bench and let some other guys in. Yep. So, Oh, absolutely. What about on the Ohio Valley side? What game stood out to you? So obviously there were, I think there were three big games that people had their eye on. And we'll start with uh, Tennessee Tech and Austin P. Uh, that's that's two teams right there that are kind of been juggling for seeding, mm-hmm. you know, within the conference. Right. And I, you mentioned last week that you thought Austin P would sneak in and maybe snag that fourth. Yeah, fourth. <laughs> Prove me wrong on that. Like <laughs> fourth <laughs> seed. You're an idiot. <laughs> snag that fourth seed with that automatic uh, one game by mm-hmm. and and honestly, your your analysis on it, and you know, with Semo and Tennessee Tech being one game shy on the schedule, with that game being you know canceled, not being made up. Kind of left Austin Austin P with a little wiggle room there, but Tennessee Tech goes on the road to Clarksville and comes out with a four point win, which it was setting up nicely for Austin P because they were at home, at least for that game, and I mean, you knew it was going to come down to the wire. I mean, both teams, you know, I think the spread was I think one, like it was almost a pick 'em on uh, Vegas. Mm-hmm. So. Tennessee Tech, 9-19, 6-9. Nine and nine. I mean, they shot over 57% from the floor and led by as many as 16. So, really, with Austin P trying to get that, that single game by, I mean, you would have expected a little bit better effort, maybe, at a, in a home game. Now, does the score look pretty good the way it ended? Yes, but... In my opinion, the game was a little bit further apart than what the score would would show at the end of the game. Um, I mean, Austin P was able to have a couple runs there. I mean, they opened the second half using a thirteen to three run, um, and actually took the lead. But I mean, Tennessee Tech throughout the season has played pretty close to teams that have that are far and few between outside of like the OVC. Yeah. And, and just at a glance, I think that takes Austin P from potentially being the four seed to looking at being the seven seed. Yeah, it drops him pretty you good. Know, 
obviously you lose the buy, but if you get to the five, now you're playing the eight. Now it's a, you're playing a six, seven matchup, which is probably going <clears> to <throat> put you right back up against Tennessee tech. Cause the way I look at it is for Tennessee tech. I mean, does the record look great at nine and 19? No, but they, it's not like they've been out of like a lot of games. It's not like they've been just blown out. I mean, you look at what they've done this season. Uh, they lost at 15th ranked Tennessee by 11. Um, they did lose to Evansville, which is not a great loss. Um, Western Carolina by five, uh, Troy by three, Wright State by nine, Cincinnati by nine, uh, Murray State by five, Austin P by three, Moorhead State by seven, Belmont by eight, Edwardsville by one. Um, so they've been in a lot of games, mm-hmm. you know, so you know you're going to get a good game when you play Tennessee Tech. And I feel like they had a really long layoff to start the conference play, too. I feel like they went, went what, two or three weeks before they had a conference game there. Yeah, they had Christmas. They had a big gap in uh, due to COVID. So I, Tennessee Tech, I think, is going to have a good chance to uh, to move up in the standings. Mm-hmm. You see what they have left on their schedule. They have games against uh, Tennessee State and UT Martin. Now Tennessee State, also another team that's juggling for mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of those spots up there. Now one of those. One of those teams obviously isn't going to have a chance to get that fourth seed because whoever wins or loses that game, it's going to take away from the chance of probably having that fourth seed. Um, but that's as, that's if SEMO falters down the stretch. Yeah, and Tech gets both those games at home. So, so that's I, that's got to be – it always helps. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Tennessee – They're about the same on the road and at home. I think they're 3-4 and four at home and 3-5 and five on the road, but I'd rather play at home every day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because then when you look at teams like – in the OVC on the road, I mean, nobody really stands out. Tennessee State's four and nine on the road. You know, Tennessee Tech's six and six at home and three and twelve on the road. So obviously, Tennessee Tech's going to want to be playing at home compared to on the road. And UT Martin two and eleven on the road. Mm-hmm. So looking good for Tennessee Tech there. Uh, another game, which I think was the biggest. I mean, it's obviously an upset. Simo. Uh, who needed a win desperately mm-hmm. to stay within that fourth seed in the uh, tournament, uh, needed a win at Moorhead State badly. Uh, they think they opened as a, I think it was 11-point underdog, which just looking at them, like, they're getting a lot of points here. I mean, SEMO took Moorhead State to overtime in the first meeting they played them and honestly led for I, in parts of the second half in that game and had a chance to win outright. And the one thing Brad Korn has been able to do at SEMO is, in my opinion, he's been able to get SEMO up for bigger games, like in a game that they need to win. I mean, they're, they're giving it their all. Now it doesn't mean their defense is going to be, you know, lights out because honestly, SEMO has struggled a lot this year playing defense. But to put up 92 points on a what is a stellar Moorhead State defense team mm-hmm. on the road, I mean, that goes a long way. And the first guy you look to is Eric Reed Jr., yep. who was OVC Player of the Week. And had 28 points in that game. 28 points. And he was coming off of a game against uh, uh, Tennessee Tech, where they played, where he had, I think, 30, 35 points, maybe. 35. Yep. Career high. So without Eric Reed, I mean, they obviously don't win that game. But a 92-84 win for SEMO on the road at Moorhead made improved SEMO to 12-16, 7-8 in conference. Uh, they drained 
15 three-pointers. I mean, it's an outstanding day for SEMO, and they've, they've been a team that likes to shoot the three yeah. every game. I know they don't have the the top-level talent of, a, of Missouri State and Mosley and Prim, but is there kind of you don't know which team's going to show up? Are they to the Ohio Valley what Missouri State is to the Missouri Valley? You're talking about SEMO? Yes. I, I think they are because... So you get that game, you know, but then they go someplace else. And I, I don't have, you know, like, well, just like losing to Tennessee Tech. Yeah. You know, they lost to Tennessee Tech, score 94 points, but lose. But then you turn around and beat Moorhead State at Moorhead State. Yep. And I mean, they did. They lost at Tennessee Martin, too. SEMO mm-hmm. did. I mean, yeah, I don't want to say that. And you're right. Does SEMO have like a gauge prim? No. But... To your to your point, Semo's offense can compete with any offense in this league. I mean, you saw it against Murray State and Belmont earlier in the year when they yeah, put up right. like eighty one and like. Problem was they gave up one hundred seventy eight points, but when you're giving up one hundred and six, you know it's tough to it's tough to win. So I I do think that there there could be a you don't know what you're going to get like you do out of Missouri State, um, and I think that's what what it comes down to. When you look at the defensive, you know, points allowed, because Simo had a stretch where I think they only allowed like 63, 64 points in like a three game stretch. And that was when they were coming off of their uh, their COVID layoff. Now, I think they played Austin P, SIUE and Eastern Eastern. Yeah. So I mean, Seam Martin. Yeah. So it's not like you were catching Murray State or Belmont in that stretch. But nonetheless, you got to play defense in those games to you know, mm-hmm. to win. I mean, right. you're not trying to give up 104 yeah. points to, you know, any of those teams either. But the win for SEMO puts them or keeps them in fourth place. Uh, you know, Moorhead State, I mean, they had some runs of their own throughout the game to keep it to keep it close. Um, honestly, Moorhead State led in the second half by five. Um, you know, Jani Broom had another double-figure scoring game. For the Eagles, had, had a double double, and had twelve boards to go along with those fifteen points against Semo. Uh, you know that that is an area. Not trying to go back on Semo uh, here, but that's an area where Semo is going to have to improve. You know, assuming they get to the OVC tournament or even these last two games of the season, they haven't been a very good rebounding team. You know, thus far. I mean, you look at what they have done defensively uh, via the via Ken Palm. You know, when it comes to rebounding, they rank 239th in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So, I mean, it's not good. No. And if you look at the box scores, like, you know, after every game and you check the opponent, I mean, the rebounds, it's its unbelievable, like, the difference. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean SEMO hasn't won a couple games where they've still been out-rebounded, but you give yourself a better chance if you're, you know, able to box them out and grab those defensive rebounds instead of giving the opponent second-chance points, um, especially when you look at their defense. Now we're getting a little deep here, but their adjusted efficiency on defense ranks 339th in college basketball via Ken Palm. There are how many teams in Division One? Three fifty-six or fifty-seven. 
So, I mean, obviously. Those that, aren't the test scores you want to take home to mom. No. So, but I, th- I think you're right. That's where, you know, you're not sure where, what you're going to get, you know, out of SEMO. But Moorhead State's a very good win. You know, they jumped 20 spots in Ken Palm from 276 to 256 with the win. But now you have a home game against Tennessee Martin and a home game against Murray State. Moorhead State-wise, I mean, they're still 20-9 and nine, sitting at 126 in Ken Palm. And the rest of their the rest of their schedule that's on the road. Right. But it should be two wins. Yeah. I mean, you're playing Eastern and SIUE and where Eastern's three fifty six, you know, in Ken Palm. Um SIU's two ninety six. But nonetheless, that you you can't overlook those teams, you know, because right now if if I had to guess at least one of those two teams, Eastern SA, isn't probably going to make the OVC tournament. Oh, for sure. And it's yeah, possible that neither do. Right. Um, and that's and that's not a jab at them. It's just reality right now where they're at in the in the standings. Maybe that loss is what they needed to to focus down the road here. Because I think sometimes that happens. It's I mean, it's such this year. It seems like you have your top three and then everybody else so much more that. It's kind of easy to lose focus. Like, hey, it's we're playing SEMO. They have they're not have yep. been real good, even though they're fourth. But now you're like, look, now coach has that for sure. Like, hey, we look what happened when we, you know, weren't focused, and now we got to go on the road and make sure that we don't drop any further. Which they won't. I mean, they can lose both. Those are still the three seed. Oh, absolutely. Which we'll get into more talk and more head state here later because I, I got them here on the back burner here as okay. we uh, as we get going here. Uh, the other game in the OVC that I wanted to mention here real quick, uh, Murray State and UT Martin. I think it'd be it'd be dumb on my part not to to mention how well UT Martin played against Murray State. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you have a ranked team coming into your home facility and in a game where you were a heavy underdog, about snuck out a win. Should have won. I'd actually I'd actually did not get to see most of the game. I, I think I think they had a lead late and just couldn't hold on to it because with Murray state being ranked now they're getting they're they're making their way onto the highlights at halftime of other games and stuff like that. And I feel like they had a lead late and just, well, and, and I was following along and they, they were winning for most of the, uh, UT Martin was winning for most of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Telvin Brown hit five, three pointers for, Murray State and KJ Williams scored 16 and nearly had another double double. He had nine rebounds. I think the X factor for Murray State going forward, and that's not to say that this guy hasn't had a you know a good season because he's been pretty good. If Murray State makes the NCAA tournament, which I am about 99% sure that they would make it, yeah, that's a big percentage. But even if they don't win the OVC tournament and you know they win their last two games of the regular season and then get to the championship they lose in the NCAA if they lose in the OVC championship I'm 99% sure that they still get in I feel like they've done they've done enough to get there I mean it's not like they've been you know winning games in the OVC you know every game by a slim margin like they did against UT Martin I mean their wins against Belmont Got to mean something. Their wins against Moorhead State got to mean something. And I think the win against Memphis, I think that that should obviously mean something. 
that should obviously mean something to the committee as well. Yeah. I was looking at it here. Uh, Tennessee Martin was up 60-59 with 18 seconds to go. And then K.J. Williams gets a three-point play at the 10-second mark to basically win the game for him. I mean, that's, they, they took the lead on that. And they go up 62-60, which is your final score. But, I mean, you say right there, K.J. Williams making that final play. He's been the go-to guy lately for Murray State. I mean, every time you're watching the game, it's K.J. Williams' show. Bucket after bucket yep. after bucket. Um, I mean, I, honestly, I think he'll, he's going to he's he should have a nice career um, mm-hmm. playing professionally. Yeah, now, so. whether it's in the United States or yep. overseas, don't know, but he's definitely a good ball player. So, but looking at that, uh, TJ, uh, we'll move ahead to the final week here of the you know conference seasons here. Is there anything in the Missouri or Missouri Valley side that you're really focusing on in this last week? I think the the bottom five seeds are locked in. Southern Illinois is locked in at the six. Evansville is locked in at the uh, ten. It looks like Valpo will be seven. So ten. So Valparaiso and Evansville will play each other if that if that holds out for the third time in like twelve days. They played. This last Saturday, so, and then they played Monday. So they play the 19th, the 21st, and they'll play again on March 3rd. Put your, put your theory to I'd the test. I'd be sick and tired of seeing them. Put your theory to the test since Valparaiso won the first two games. Ugh. They're pretty evenly matched. We're not. <laughs> we are not going into that again. <laughs> so I think, you know, the big game that I look at, look at coming up this week uh, is Loyola Northern Iowa on Sunday of next week. I mean, I mean, just the names alone. I mean, it's, it should have a lot of viewership. Yeah, because I mean, right now that's one two in the league. Yeah, you know, so uh, Bradley playing at Missouri State. Don't know which Bradley team you're going to get, but other than that, you expect everything to go pretty much chalk. But those, I think that that'll have the impact. I think Missouri State's the three. You know, not that I'm excited about my Salukis playing them, but that that's that's the way I see it playing out. The so. Okay, well, on the OVC side, uh, really, I think it's some pretty evenly matched games. I mean, this might be the most evenly matched Thursday of the whole regular season, in my opinion. Um, computers just starting to randomly play. Um, now, having said that, the game of the week's going to be Belmont at Murray State. It's no, nationally sure. televised yeah. on ESPNU. Uh, Belmont coming in at 24-5. and five. Murray State moved up two spots in the ranking to 19. They're 26-2. and two. Yes, Murray State's going to be favored, but... I mean, you better believe it wouldn't surprise you if Belmont came away with a win. Now, even though it's at Murray State. Yeah. I I think that could be disastrous for the league, though. It could be. Now, Joe Lenari does have Belmont just on the outside. So... I think... 
Uh, I'm just not going to say anything because this is just going to blow my whole last part of the show out the window if I talk about it now. Okay. So. All right. Well, why don't we move on to that then? We'll uh, throw it out the window. But uh, Tennessee State at Tennessee Tech should be a good one there. Moorhead State at Eastern. Austin P at SIUE. And then UT Martin at SEMO. Uh, so we're going to look ahead to the OVC tournament here. Fast forward these two games. What does each conference have to do to get two teams into the NCAA tournament? We'll start with you, TJ. What do you think the Missouri Valley has to do or what what cannot happen in the last couple games or in the Missouri Valley tournament in order for the MVC not to see two teams there? I think this I think Loyola has to beat Northern Iowa in a competitive game here to finish the season. And then you get Loyola losing a close game in the championship. Because right, I think I think Loyola is the only one that's got a chance to get you an automatic bid. Or excuse me, uh an at large bid. Okay. I honestly I don't think that Missouri Valley gets two teams in. I think they just Nobody was really impressive in the offseason. You don't have a lot of marquee wins. You know, I think Loyola's name might get them in, if that makes sense. Like, hey, this is a team that's done really well in the past few years. Last year they had a really good run, and they've got kind of that 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 value to their name. But you think they obviously need some help from some of the Power 5 schools? Oh, I think you need to have a lot of – I think you even need to have a lot of – other conferences not have bid stealers. I think it hurts them if Murray State doesn't win. I think Murray State can get in with an at-large if they don't win their conference championship game. When that's that, to me, that takes away a, a game, a, a bit away, a spot away from the conferences like the Missouri Valley. Because right now, if you're looking at what Joe Lenardi is projecting, because I honestly, over the last like ten years, I mean. It, if you're not looking at what Joe Lenardi's projecting, then I don't know what you're looking at because he seems to be the only guy that's ever close on anything. Uh, he, I mean, he's very good at what he does. He's projecting 23 locks right now, uh, 39 teams on the bubble for 24 available spots. And he's got on there that there's over 25 teams with work to be done. But if you start to look at you know, the Missouri Valley side of things, uh, he has, I th- think he has Loyola. He has Loyola in the category of work to do. Right. So, I mean, that's essentially putting you not at that front part of the bubble, but it's kind of on that back burner of the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, as you said, a lot of, a lot of teams would have to, to win their conference in order for, you know, them to get in. Like, if you have a team like last year, like Oregon State winning the Pac-12, I mean, that that kicks so yeah. many mid-majors right. to the curb. It just throws so many things out a whack. Now, I think the OVC has a lot more going for them right now with getting multiple teams in than, Agreed. than the Missouri Valley. Now, it, albeit that these two teams are going to be joining the Missouri Valley next year, uh, you know, Murray State, yes, they're ranked. And honest, honestly, I think they get in even if they don't win the OVC tournament. 
but they have to get to the championship. Right. right. Um, if they were to lose to whoever in like the in the right. semifinals, if they lose to Semo, yeah, I I don't think they get in. Yeah. Now, unless they really think that, unless the committee really thinks that. Well, it was just a fluke, and that they can still compete with Power Five, make it interesting. And you lose by twelve or fifteen, then NIT. Here we come. Yep, I hundred percent agree with you. But if Murray State wins their last two games of the season, which would be a good win against Belmont, and then a road game at Semo, and then basically that would put base just having to win one more game to get mm-hmm. to the OVC championship because right. they have that double bye. So that would put them at. See, they are twenty six and two now. So in theory, in theory, they could be twenty nine and two before the OVC championship, which is a pretty damn good record. Mm-hmm. Let's say they lose in the championship to Belmont or Moorhead State, because okay. I th- I think with Murray State being the the one seed that I mean, they would play the two, the, three would be on the opposite the side. Two and three would be on the opposite side, and that comes with either Belmont or Moorhead. Because no, let's be honest, nobody else has a chance to be the right. two or three. Right. Moorhead State has looked very good that this year. Now, they are not in the conversation of getting in as an at large because it's, it's just not going to happen unless they win the OVC. Mm-hmm. Uh, tournament because they they didn't get enough wins on their non-conference that meant enough like right. Belmont or Murray they State may have quad been. one quad two wins yeah, I get you exactly but that that's no slouch on how good Moorhead State actually is though their loss to Semo as you said maybe it kickstarts them down the stretch they should win these next two games they should win these next two games with ease they're they're really talented they got Janai Broom who's I was gonna say the best big man in the league, but that, I mean, that'd be foolish of me because K, KJ Williams is extremely good too. So we'll say he's one of the best big men in the league. Uh, and, and Moorhead should win that three, six matchup, potential three, six matchup. Correct. Yes. So that, that, that would give Moorhead, you know, two wins to end the season that gives him 22 wins and then a possibility of what, uh, I think they need two more wins. To get two the more wins. Okay, they're the the three seed. So they could have twenty four wins before the OVC championship game. They've looked very good against Belmont this year. Morehead State has. Uh, you see what Morehead has done this year against Belmont, and it's it's been pretty good, honestly. Um, in the first meeting, they beat Belmont eighty three seventy four at home. It was about the complete opposite um, when it came to the road game when they played at Belmont about two weeks ago. They lost 48-47. Not many people can keep Belmont below 50 points in an NCAA basketball game. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if if Belmont's playing a Power 5 school, they're scoring over 48 points. So that, that shows you how well Moorhead State is, how good they are in defense. They're allowing 64 points per game on defense. Now, are they blowing anybody out? Are they shocking anybody with their offense at 70 points per game? No, it's average. It's actually below average. It ranks 229th in the country. But they put their emphasis on playing defense and slowing the pace of the game down because 
Coach Spradlin's team is not a fast-moving team. They like to walk the ball up the floor and get into their sets and run their offense. They're not a team that's going to run down, shoot the ball right. eight seconds into the shot clock. No, mm-hmm. they're going to work that clock and make you play defense on them until you get tired, and then they'll find Janai or you know a guy around the perimeter. To, to put that Belmont game in perspective, in league play, that's Belmont's lowest production of 48 points. The next one is when they lost to Murray State at 60 points. Every other game, they've scored at least 72 points. And most of those, you look at this, they're in the 80s regularly. So, again, what you said. And people might say, well, you're not playing defense when you take longer to, to, to shoot the ball. I'd say it's the equivalent of football running it. Yeah. If I keep the ball out of your hands, I'm still keeping you from scoring. You know, so but like you said, they they have they have a system. Coaches got them sticking to it, and they're having success. I mean, they went to the NCAA tournament last year. They've got the experience coming back, and you know, I I don't think I'd want to see them if I were Belmont. No, I, I wouldn't either. And and Moorhead's played good against Murray State as well. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have a win against them? They don't, but they have been in both those games. They had the lead in the second half in their oh, most yeah. recent meeting against him. So honestly, I don't, I don't think Murray state would want to play Moorhead either. So to, to draw all this together, I think the way the OVC gets two teams in is if Moorhead beats Murray in the OVC championship. Okay. Now, does that mean I don't think Belmont would get in if they lost in the championship to Murray? I don't. I'm not saying no, but I think their best bet is if a team beats uh, Murray in the championship. Because I think if Murray beats if Murray beats Moorhead in the championship, Moorhead's not getting in. If Murray beats Belmont in the championship, I'd say it's it's below fifty percent that Belmont would get in. I think they would need a lot of help from other teams winning their conference and not a, a bubble team getting in. What if Belmont has a convincing win at Murray on Thursday? 15 points. Okay. And then Belmont loses a tight game to Murray in Evansville for the championship. Four points. Does Belmont get in then? Because you're looking, that's a quad one win. On the road. On the road. Double digits. I think that's a good point because, I mean, that, that would be a convincing win. Like, they had no, yeah. no trouble with mm-hmm. it. And then now you start to look at what else have they done throughout the right. maybe non-conference season. They have a good win at SLU, who SLU is on the bubble. So I think Belmont's got to be hoping St. Louis does well in the, right. in the A-10 mm-hmm. because let's say – St. Louis maybe gets the NCAA tournament. Now that win against St. Louis on the road looks even better than it did, than it does right now. Um, same with uh, same with Drake because mm-hmm. I Belmont beat Drake. Right. Let's yeah, say they, Drake they wins. Drake get into the championship let's, game or win in the tournament. Let's right. say Drake wins the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. Now that win looks even better for Belmont. So I I, I think your point is valid, and I. I if it happens, I think it's a very good possibility that 
Belmont could get in. If, a lot of things have to go right. Where, exactly. Where if you're Belmont's coaching staff, boys, let's just win. Yep. Let's don't. And that's what you feel about it. No matter who you are, even if you're Murray State, you're saying we need to win this because we don't want to take the chance of someone else being able to take it away from us. Now I know this isn't going to happen. I I'd probably I'd I'd probably just pass out or something if it did. If Moorhead State won the OVC championship against Murray or yeah, wins the championship against Murray, Belmont beats Murray, you know, this weekend. And just somehow the OVC get three teams in. <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's dreaming. I know it, it's, it's far fetched, but yeah. God bless. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So I don't know that I think the OVC has a real chance of getting two teams in. Mm -hmm. I think the chances are better than the Missouri Valley, to be honest with you. But again, you're looking at your best team has probably has to lose. Well, shoot. I mean, the Missouri Valley's probably rooting for them to get two teams in because now it's <laughs> I mean, they're just transitioning right over yeah. to the MVC after. Um, well, maybe the presidents. I don't think the other coaches are. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no kidding. But. My final, my final uh, pick here. Obviously, we'll get into more of the OVC tournament next week uh, before the OVC tournament starts. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a uh, Moorhead and Murray in the championship. Mm -hmm. I can see that. And leave it at that. Uh, but with that, TJ, uh, with the final week, you know, getting close here. Uh, you got any final thoughts here before uh, we see games? And, and the OVC on Thursday and Saturday, and I know the MVC is more spread out than the OVC is. Yeah, I mean, I think I gave my thoughts. I think the biggest game here is uh, Loyola, Northern Iowa on Saturday. Be interesting. Um, I, I, stepping outside of the conference, you and I texted about this a little bit, but news came down yesterday about Coach Howard from Michigan suspended oh. for the rest of the season. You've seen the video. Maybe you've heard kind of the arguments both sides. What do you, what do you think about the whole incident? And going back to why Coach Howard was upset. And from what I gathered, correct me if I'm wrong, he was more mad because uh, Wisconsin called a timeout because they were going to almost had a 10-second call. I don't know if it was a 10-second call, but Michigan was pressing. And Wisconsin called a timeout. Wisconsin called a timeout to prevent a turnover, I think, of some sort. To me, I don't care. Well, first off, I don't care if you're mad, but there's still no reason to have that kind of interaction while shaking hands. I mean, it doesn't set a good precedent for, you know, the players or any of the fans out there watching, you know, but, yeah. mm -hmm. but to further your point, there was a game in the big 10 with that. Michigan was a participant in this, this year. And I believe it was against Indiana. Michigan was up by mm, double digits. I think it was more upwards of 20 and 
Michigan called a timeout with less than a minute left in the game. How is that any different? So if you're gonna get, if you get mad about that, well, I got news for you. Should go back in time and slap himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't. You're contradicting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happens in the heat of the moment. But then for him to say he got upset because guard put hands on him, like, no, he grabbed you by the arm because you were trying to walk by him. Yeah, and you want to shake like, your hand. It wasn't like he grabbed you by the lapel, you know, you know by the collar of your shirt, yeah. shaking you around, you know. And it's the second kind of incident to happen with Jawan Howard than last year because they had the incident last year in the conference tournament with Maryland. Oh, you're right. I forgot about Remember? that. I mean, it wasn't nearly what this sure, was. Sure, absolutely. Because we weren't shaking hands then. But – all of a sudden, they're you know he's he's trying to get down to the other end at at uh, Tergeron and his staff. You know, on the coaches Zoom for uh, the Missouri Valley this weekend, uh, Harry Schrader, of the Valley Insider, was asking about that, and uh, Todd Licklider said he goes, "That's why we don't shake hands." He goes, "We just don't do it." He goes, "I, I he goes, I think it's it's not it's not prudent. You just and I saw it happen when they played down at SIU. They just walked off into their locker room." I kind of thought there was something going on, but that explains. He's like, no, he goes, you know, we just got done battling each other for 40 minutes. Let's go to our locker room. Let's, let's let cooler heads prevail. So you don't have stuff like that, but to potentially happen. So he's the guy. I think it's a silly kind of uh, tradition. Okay. So after hearing that, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think you shouldn't shake hands in or. I, th- I think it's become one of those things that maybe. I'm going to contradict myself here. I think it's become one of those things. That's kind oh, of you can't do that. Fake sportsmanship. Okay. It's kind of one of those things that you do. And it's like, oh, yeah, look, like, oh, you're doing it because you have to. And how many of those people pay attention? You're not really shaking hands. You're giving high fives. Now, I will say one of my favorite traditions in all of sport is when a team gets eliminated in the NHL playoffs. That, but that seems more genuine. Like, guys, we've been battling for four, five, six games. Oh, 100%. And those guys know each other. They may have played college together. They may have played in the minors. They may have played in the NHL together. But that just, like, you see the interactions. It's not just like, hey, slap hands, slap hands, slap hands. Sure. You know, kid number 12 at the end of the bench of uh, Evansville, Valparaiso. But now here are these guys like, hey, you know, this has been, and it just seems, it that seems different to me. It's, so that's where I feel like I'm contradicting myself. But I, uh, but I don't think you are because it's it's not like they do it after every game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of liked it in baseball, you know, where the, the teams just look at each other, tip the hat. Hey, that that does as much. Yeah, especially when you're on the <clears> road, and you want to get your kid in the car. Let's go grab something to eat and get home. <laughs> not that it takes that long to do it, but yeah. Still. No, I see where you're coming from, but I the suspension of five games and I get what they say, fined forty thousand dollars. I mean, I guess maybe it's enough. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I guess in my head, there really hasn't been enough to, I guess, compare it to, I guess, recently. So you can't say, oh, like maybe he, was, he wasn't he was punished enough. Maybe he was punished too, too harsh. Um, just because there hasn't really been anything recently that you could say. Yeah, I think... I think it's tough to take anybody's job away from them in the heat of the moment. Yeah. But at the same time, most other professions, if you, I mean, if you're at work and you, you swing at somebody, you're, yeah, you're, you're done. I mean, yeah, there's probably a good chance that you're disciplined the equivalent amount. If not, you know, you're looking for a job. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. 
it's tough to know what the right answer. The first thing that comes to mind for me is Woody Hayes at Ohio State. When you, you know, because he had those two incidents where he punched players from the other, you know, where he punched a player, punched that Clemson player. And that, that was the second such incident, so he was dismissed. And a legendary coach had won national titles, not, yep. you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, even, yeah, I mean, slip-ups happen to the, to, the best of, to the best of them at times. And it's easy to judge from the outside. It's easy to say, oh, this is what you should do and until it impacts you or it's somebody that, that you know more personally. So Sure. Well, with that, TJ, um, I don't have anything else to, uh, to wrap up the show. Um, just looking forward to last week of the season and seeing, uh, seeing how the seating shake out here. Yeah. We're planning to have our, uh, episode for next week out early. So you can listen to that on your drive down to St. Louis or over to Evansville and, uh, argue with us or disagree with what we, what our picks are. I think we're planning on doing our all conference teams too, aren't we? Yeah. At least first team, all conference. Uh, at least, of the year. at least first team. Yeah. Player of the year. And, we don't have it set in stone, but uh, we're also going to try and have a have an interview uh, next week. Yep, yeah. yeah. man, you just you put it out there. Now, if we don't do it, like we, we lied to people. No, that's why you lied to people. I said we're we're trying to get it set in stone. <laughs> you know, gotta it's a play on words there. Gotcha. But with that, that'll wrap up episode ten here on View of the Valleys for TJ Hoover. I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tune in next week. As we get you get you going for the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley Conference tournaments. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud, and you can give us a follow on Twitter at View Valley's Pod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.